Welcome back to the Punish Podcast, the official podcast of PunishBacklog.com. I'm Amanda Tian, pronouns she, her, or they, and I'm an editor at the Punish Backlog and the host of today's episode, where we'll be discussing the Pokemon gaming franchise. Uh, to start us off, I'd love for everyone here to share their name, pronouns, and a favorite Pokemon, and a quick answer why. I'll throw it to Sam first. What's up? I'm Sam Martinelli, pronouns he, him. I'm an editor at Punish Backlog. And one of my favorite Pokemon, my favorite Pokemon line like of evolutions is Abracadabra Alakazam. Uh, every time I've started a Gen 1 or a Gen 2 run, I've gone out of my way to get get them on my team. It's just, it was the first Pokemon that I saw as a kid and I thought, man, this guy just looks cool and is OP and is just, it's so beautiful. I love it. That's a great answer. Kay, you want to go next? Sure. I'm Kay. I'm a, an occasional contributor to the ba- Punish Backlog. Um, my favorite Pokemon... I think is Deoxys. I just really like all the forms it has, uh, attack and speed in particular. I also really like a lot of the mega evolutions, but those are basically Pokemon on steroids. So I'm sure we'll discuss generation specific mechanics later, but I would say overall Deoxys, probably my favorite. And this is Jason, pronouns he, his. My favorite Pokemon is Shedinja. And that's because I've always been a fan of really cool Pokemon evolutions. And Shedinja was the first one I had discovered for myself. Uh, when my Ninjask evolved and a little extra buddy popped out. And uh, hi, I'm David Silbert. Uh, he, him, also an editor at the Punish Backlog. And I'm glad that the question Amanda was framed as a favorite because my current favorite would have to be Psyduck, having watched Pokemon Concierge and that delightful... Uh, show at the end of 2023 and side duck deserves its flowers so there we go that's nice i like that side duck's getting good attention um and my one of my favorites is sui kun which we were discussing before recording how to pronounce it but it was the legendary for uh pokemon crystal uh and just like this beautiful like water wolf fox creature and was really powerful and even to this day when I see it, I get really excited. I'm like, oh my God, like what a cool Pokemon. Um, so thank you all for joining me today. I'm really excited about this episode. Um, we're going to be talking about Pokemon video games and to celebrate their 28th birthday. Um, and I say that because on February 27, 1996, Pocket Monsters, red and green, debuted in Japan on the Game Boy. And from there, a phenomenon was born. Um, so I'll be asking today's panel about the games that resonated with them, where the series has innovated and where it stagnated, and what to make of Pal World, which is a new game with a striking resemblance to Pokemon, except that there's apparently guns. Um, And then later, we're going to be doing a segment where I do some rapid fire uh, fun questions. Uh, So here we go. We'll go ahead and get started talking about Pokemon video games. I think we all know about Pokemon, but just in case there's listeners who don't know, I want to give a quick rundown of the gaming franchise. Uh, So like I said, this started in 1996, and it's been going strong through now. Um, In each generation of the main series are named after colors, like red, blue, silver, gold, etc. Usually with two variations of the game per era, where each has a few specialty Pokemon. And this is to encourage trading, and honestly, probably buying different copies. Uh, These core games were developed by Game Freak, and published by Nintendo and the Pokemon Company. 
In these games, a single player takes on the role of a young trainer who is going off on adventures to become the next Pokemon master, which requires catching, befriending, and training cute animals with cool powers called Pokemon. They battle other trainers with the end goal of getting gym badges and battling an expert group called the Elite Four, leading to ultimately being named a Pokemon master. As time went on, the studios began to experiment with the property and other gaming models. More on that in a bit. There's also the wildly popular anime television show and the card trading game. But today we're going to try to focus on mainly the Pokemon video games. Uh, so to start us off, uh, for each of you, what was the first Pokemon video game that you played? For me, uh, I I was saying earlier before the show, it's certainly Gen 1. I believe Pokemon Red, but there's actually a part of me that thinks it was Pokemon Yellow. And the story behind that was, I think, my cousin on my dad's side was... Um, <clears throat> Big into Pokemon, had a Game Boy Color, I think, um, playing at, like, my great aunt's house way back when, like, playing around. She was showing me through the game. I was, like, jealous. And so my parents decided to get me a Game Boy Color and a Pokemon game my my own to be like, oh, we, we knew that, uh, I don't know, you wanted, looked like you wanted it. And so they really pinned me down. That's, that's, they, they nailed it. And uh, the rest was history. And, um, yeah, I've been playing casually ever since but definitely in gen gen one era that was my jam yeah uh, i also started gen one uh pokemon red for sure i still have the cartridge actually it doesn't work anymore so my dream team that had two mewtwo's on it uh is gone just totally gone uh i actually remember getting it because uh for my eighth birthday it had just recently come out in, the, in north america and uh, I was flying down to Florida to visit my grandparents. My mom said, I know the flight's going to suck because you just generally hate flying. So she got me a Game Boy Color and Pokemon Red. And it was one of the only times that my parents bought me a video game related thing that I did not ask for. Um, and it was just, it was perfect. I didn't, I turned it on, started playing it and did not stop playing until we exited the car outside of my grandparents' house. The very first Pokemon game I've played is Pokemon Emerald. I have very good memories of slotting that green cartridge into my old Nintendo DS and playing the heck out of it over the weekend while my friend was letting me borrow it. The first Pokemon game I played was also Pokemon Yellow. I remember specifically having the blue and yellow Game Boy Color with the Pichu and the Pikachu on the border of the screen. For David and I, age-wise, we must have been playing Gen 1 when Gen 2 was out, got into gold or silver, and then I was fully caught up. And from then on, I've been playing every generation except for... I've played every generation except for Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, and then I have not played Arceus. Which will be interesting to get your thoughts on, um, on maybe why. But yeah, I similarly also play Gen 1. I remember I got a Game Boy Color. I was really excited. I played my grandfather's Game Boy. Um, and I remember really wanting a Game Boy Color of my own. And my parents were, you know, they were just cautious about video games and cautious about any games that like glorified violence of any kind. And I remember my parents as like a big surprise. They gave my sister and I each our own Game Boy Color. And we were so excited. And then we were going, we were living in Kansas at the time and we were driving into like the big city to do some errands. And my sister said, oh, are we going to 
stay the night in Kansas City. Like, this would be so exciting. And my parents were like, no, like, don't be ridiculous. Like, we're not going to, like, pay for a hotel when we could just go home. But there was a tornado warning. And so we ended up having to do an emergency lockdown in, like, a Holiday Inn where people, they were, like, putting us all in the ballroom. And they they ended up giving us, like, rooms for, like, at a discount or maybe even for free. Like, it was this whole thing of just, like, dozens of people, like, trapped in this Holiday Inn hoping we all weren't going to die. And I was really excited, though, because I had my Game Boy, which we had literally just gotten. And it was so exciting. And I had a a Bugs Bunny game that I, I couldn't beat. And I remember like writing a like a book report for my parents trying to explain why it was okay for me to have Pokemon Blue and they got it for me and it was amazing. Thank you all for sharing because I think it's I think it's nice to really find and, and root where these Pokemon games were part of our lives. Um, and especially because the formula, while it's changed somewhat over the years, a lot of it hasn't. So what do you think is slash was successful about the formula? And do you think it's gotten stale? I think that obviously the familiarity of the formula is an asset for for Nintendo or they view it that way it's kind of in the same way that Zelda is generally follows a very similar form similar formula up until you know new Zelda uh Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom uh the familiarity lets you jump right back into the game you know what you're getting into you pick one of three elemental starters and then you're off and running uh, some old man hands you free pokeballs and you're 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 free to go. <laughs> um, there have been minor alterations to sort of the number of gyms. Well, most notably uh, in um, Sun and Moon. When we went to Alola and we did the totem stuff and island stuff, we saw a small break off from the super generic formula. But in the end, it was still basically the same idea. Yeah, for the most part, I think it's just the familiarity makes it accessible pokemon is still you know i think in nintendo and game freaks eyes uh franchise primarily for children and so it behooves them to keep the game simple and it's comfort for easy to dip your toes into at the very least i think yeah i i would agree that like the fact that it's so easy to get in and like really take a deep dive into a pokemon game like that's the thing that got me right away and that's every time i try a new pokemon game which is not every generation admittedly those first like 10 15 hours are always my favorite of like this feels like you're like what's going to happen next what new pokemon are you going to see what new evolutions are you going to see like how do i compose my team like my attach this guy just because he's actually good for my team or do i just think he's cute and like having him there and i think the fact that that in and of itself has not really changed even with Arceus, even with some of these spinoffs, like that core component to it is this, it has been the same and has been maintained very successfully, in my opinion, over the years. And I think the reason why that's so popular is because it gives you such a clear expectation of how long a Pokemon game is going to be. You have an idea of what the game's going to be like, which is kind of rare for an RPG. I do think it is starting to get a tiny bit stale. We saw a, a huge return to the formula during Sword and Shield. And I found that to be quite a bit boring, although the wild areas were very helpful. Um, the thing that's nice is that when we went to uh, Scarlet and Violet, we saw that the formula was pretty drastically changed, though in a way that a lot of people 
didn't quite like. I think I know a lot of people would have preferred scaling gyms based on how many badges you have, but I think that it was really neat to have this position where you could absolutely challenge the second or third gym before you found the first one, and they didn't give a hard order for it. I'm hoping that they continue to uh, experiment with the basic formula like they have so far. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the ultimate entry level RPG, and that's not a slight against it whatsoever. It's a it's a game that anyone can pick up and play. Right? You can be an eight eight years old. You can be ninety years old, eighty eighty eight, whatever. <laughs> and um, I like a nice clean number like that. Uh, no, I it, it it's a game that has universal appeal, and obviously that benefits N- Nintendo and the Pokemon Company immensely and i think there's something about the repeatability of every entry you know that there's nothing going to be crazy it's kind of like the call of duty effect too where people have come to respect whether whether you love call of duty or hate it the people who are there are like ardent fans they show up every day i mean every year to pick up the new annual release they know that it's it's comfort food it's like they can i can hop on with my friends and play with pokemon you can Hop on with your friends and play online or, uh, you know, play locally and have fun. And there's not a ton of that in the gaming landscape. I know we talk a lot about like repeat franchise fatigue and sequels that don't quite do enough to differentiate themselves. But there's something special about Pokemon. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about the formula being sort of consistent throughout as well. I imagine for the developers, there's also some level of comfort in that design cycle, too, of knowing okay, you know, you are going to, you're going to start here and you want to end up there. And these are the paths that we're going to jump through. I imagine that there's something nice for developers knowing the basic structure. And then you can also be creative and iterate within those systems. And um, Sam, you brought up a good point about sort of the the meta of like creating these teams that are really exciting um, and thinking what you could do with that combination because there are these um, video game tournaments. My cousin Danny, actually, shout out to Danny. Um, I just found out recently does competitive like Pokemon battling, and I hadn't thought about really battling other people because for so long my games are just like, oh, I'm just you know battling this one fake trainer in the middle of the woods. Every Pokemon game has like I think always been very easy, but I think the non-existent difficulty has been very apparent in like recent recent entries for me personally at least and i do not actually have memories of building team i always was more enamored with the idea of having one really strong pokemon curb stomp all these other children um (laughs) in the game not you know on the playground (laughs) so i mean i think this comes back to potentially some complaints that we may have if we have you know criticism of the the series case right about playing through the NPCs in the game, like, yeah, you could just get like two or three really OP Pokemon and you kind of cruise. Um, I think the, the team building that mattered to me when I was a kid during probably the gold and silver era, which is so I could beat my friends. Like we get the link cable, we'd fight each other. I'm like, Oh, well, I know he has, uh, you know, a Cyndaquil or I guess a Typhlosion. So I should use, uh, more water Pokemon, water type Pokemon. If I'm going to do that, I need to like train some of these guys a little bit more. And so that's where the competitive stuff comes in. The problem is for me is uh, once people start, start, start to get into the meta, I just completely lost interest in that. I'm like, no, now, now you take this too seriously. I don't care anymore. 
Um, and I actually do think it's uh, something that I think is not quite a detriment to the series, but uh, illustrative of why there's this big split in what people want from the games. Because there is a, a set of people that really cares about the meta, that really cares about catching all the Pokemon and, and leveling all, all of them up as much as you can. And then there's people like me where I'm like, I don't care about that at all. So I just want to... I want to catch the Pokemon that looks like a Corgi. Me too. I didn't get back. Yeah, Yamper. Shout out to Yamper. The best part of Pokemon Sword and Shield. Otherwise, those games were, you know, they were what they were. But Yamper was cool. You know, that's interesting. I always felt this immense pressure on myself to be like, every Pokemon I catch, I like have to give a shot. And I would try to train it up. And at a certain point, as an adult person, you know, or maybe in college, even playing games going, why am I bothering with this Pidgey right now? Like, this is such a waste of time. Like, I should just level up. The Pokemon I actually like, especially the starters. I do think there's actually sort of three types of Pokemon enjoyers, so to speak. And, you know, obviously Nintendo games tend to struggle with this because they make deep games. And so that invites, you know, intense effort. And so this is like the classic casual, hardcore, like Smash Brothers dilemma. But there is like the competitive side of Pokemon. Um, I do think personally, like Pokemon is probably the, the, the deepest turn-based competitive gaming experience out there right now just because there's so many variables they've intentionally or unintentionally created a very very layered and complex game uh perhaps they wish they didn't but it is what it is i was just saying there's there's three kinds of pokemon players there's people who play the game people who want to catch all the pokemon and then people who are like really into competitive stuff and i think they will never satisfy all three or well they'll never satisfy the competitive people and everyone else probably without investing significant amounts of effort. Yeah. I'd like to add, I guess maybe a fourth uh, subgroup. I, I get what you're saying. Kay. for me personally. And I, I totally agree when I'm building a team in Pokemon, it's, it's far less because it's not really because of the challenge aspect. I think it's pretty easy for me to steamroll. I remember when I was playing Pokemon silver back in the day, I accidentally released my starter Pokemon. I don't even oh remember what God. the starter Pokemon was. I don't even know if I think I think they were fully leveled up. I think I got them in the Pokedex, but then I accidentally released them and I but I didn't restart the game. I just kept going with my uh, Graveler. Is a Graveler the start one? What's the one that turns into a giant rock? Geodude first. So yeah. Geodude. Your dude becomes Graveler and then he becomes. Yeah. Cool. So I I rolled with a Graveler to like level 100 and just roll through the game and I developed like a weird affinity for that Pokemon. But my point is <laughs> building the teams is far less about like difficulty and try to overcome a challenge with like elemental stuff and more about like your affinity to the Pokemon. So it's like, I just want cool Pokemon in my, in my, in my team or in, in my box. So I categorize my box in terms of like, who's cool and who's not. It's like a, it's like a school <laughs> lunchroom. <laughs> cool kids get to sit in box yes, one. Yes, actually, I did the same thing. The lame kids are in box ten; they're all the way down. But uh, no, that's that's. I think for I think there's a good subset of people subset of people that come to Pokemon because they're fans of the art, and I think that's not to get jump ahead of us, but I think that is part of why the, the Pal World controversy is so interesting because I think there are a lot of people that are like, yeah, you, you phoned in the designs. That's like. 50% of the experience. If you're not going to like make the Pokemon interesting or the pals interesting, what are you doing? Right. So I, I think that's a huge part of the allure of Pokemon too. Well, big time. And I think that there was, I was got excited when Sam was talking about, you know, the Corgi type Pokemon earlier, because I, I couldn't have pets growing up and I really, really wanted pets. Like I remember 
like making a wish on a star being like i hope i see a vulpix in real life and then it's my friend <laughs> like and that was just it's like a little sad six-year-old or whatever but i remember having one point in one of the games where i was like i'm just gonna find all the dog type pokemon and then just have like a like a pack of six and those will be all my my friends and i think another group that Kay mentioned earlier, but we haven't necessarily come back to, is that these are ultimately games, I think, designed for children, like, or they're meant to be easier. And it's a game that, you know, can be accessible for young people as an entry point into gaming, into battling, into more serious games of like, can you level up? Can you gather and manage an inventory? Can you kind of plan out in advance, you know, a good pattern of, okay, like Sam was saying, thinking strategically, oh, this gym has electric type Pokemon. So I should be leveling up my rock type and, you know, fire and water and, and all these things. Um, and Kay, you called it a turn-based game, which I don't think I had ever quite thought of it that way. And, and it's a really good point. Um, and so I think Pokemon too, because when you battle, they, they faint, they don't die. I think there was a certain level of you could still have the battling experience of a video game without it feeling as violent as maybe like a game when you're just literally a person punching other people on the street. Um, so there, I think there's something to be said for Pokemon trying to also appeal to young people and consistently provide new games for the modern young person on the current platform and then also adults who have grown up with this franchise and want certain things from it. Amanda, you sparked one idea too, is that I think in many ways Pokemon predates and maybe had a lot of influence over the wholesome games genre. I understand wholesome games tend to be like farming sims and maybe even like dating sims. Like, like there are a lot of more passive is not the right word, but like there's not a lot of violence in wholesome games, but I actually think Pokemon fits nicely into that, into that, uh, that, uh, that area because it's a kind of game that people enjoy, not just because maybe their, their parents say, Hey, you can't, play Grand Theft Auto, it might also be adults, 20, 30 year olds who are like, I don't like the direction the world's going. And I want to sit down with my with my my favorite pals and just zone out and have something cute and wholesome to enjoy for an afternoon. So I, I, I think there's there's that aspect too. A hundred percent. That's a great point. And um my friend Allison uh recently played um I think she played Violet. And I don't know how many Pokemon games she had played growing up, but she was like, this is great. Like, this is exactly the kind of time sink that I want to pour a lot of effort and energy into and be in this world. And there was something, it was actually, we, we, the two of us had played this game a couple of years back called Ooblets, which is an indie game, which is definitely big time wholesome energy. It's really cute and colorful. Um, but you, you basically, you're, you're on a farm and you grow plants that then become alive and then you can put them you can put them in like a top hat and then they have dance battles with, with other like farm vegetables and it's really cute and it's and it feels very much like the the pokemon um formula really delightful and it was funny and quirky if people are looking for something like pokemon but but not pokemon <laughs> The series, the core series, has experimented successfully with a lot of different features. Um, so for example, one big choice was when they started incorporating a real-time night and day cycle. So some Pokemon could only be found at night, some in the day, etc. Um, Crystal, which came out after Gold Silver, but is still considered to be in the same um, generation. It was the first one that allowed players to pick a female trainer uh, to play as. 
And I remember loving in the Sapphire Ruby generation that you could create your own secret base and decorate it. And then you could have friends come and visit through that like game link cable. Um, you know, there were some games where you could train Pokemon to be in talent shows. Um, and the most recent iteration, Scarlet and Violet, you could for the first time meet up with your friends in real time in the game and like explore this open world together. And you could also have picnics with your Pokemon and like give them snacks and like pet them. It was all very cute. Um, so I want to ask y'all, what was a change in the core series that you thought was great? You know, and uh, a bigger question is, are these evolutions enough to breathe fresh air into the series? So I know it wasn't exactly the prompt, but I got one great change and one change I despise. That's great. Uh, Let's do it. So the best change that happened, I think it started with Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, was actually seeing your Pokemon, not your Pokemon, but like wild Pokemon just out on the screen. I just think it's it's a really cool opportunity to see Pokemon in their own natural environment, seeing them interact with other Pokemon, seeing them where they're supposed to be. And so it's not just that it makes catching them easier. It just makes the world feel more alive. And I think that's really cool. 100%, yeah. Because I didn't even think about that. That is a good change. Yeah, but the thing I really don't like, I think I think it was after Gen 2, they put a lot more effort into kind of classic RPG storytelling where there's always like... It's not just like, oh, you're the guy getting badges and trying to catch a ball. It's then there's actually some other meta plot happening. And not just Team Rocket. It's always like some bigger deal happening, something happening with uh, the legendary Pokemon that to me is just, it's never interesting. And they never put enough effort into the actual writing of it to make me care. So I'm just keep smashing the A button to get through all the lines of dialogue that are never enough. And there's no voice acting and there's nothing to it. And I know it's, a, it's a, what we were talking about before of like, you can't satisfy everyone because there are people that do love that part of Pokemon. But like, as a result, it makes the game slower and it makes its flaws more apparent. And so I guess those are the good and the bad of how Pokemon's changed over the years where I just, I don't care about the Diamond Clan or the Pearl Clan in Arceus. Just shut up. Nobody cares. This is not well-written enough or interesting enough for me to care. Knock it off. Let me go, let me go see a matchup in a cave. That's where it's at. I do want to piggyback on this, the story point. I, I I definitely agree with you. I think Gen 1 and Gen 2, they have this really sweet spot of a story where it feels appropriate kind of for, it's not realistic really for a kid to be taking on whatever this Pokemon equivalent of the Italian Mafia is or whatever, but it's kind of lampshaded or maybe not lampshaded, but it just feels silly enough that it's appropriate. And I think Gen 2 in particular does a really good job because in Gen 2, it's the remains of Team Rocket. So they're already kind of a joke. They're like their leader is gone and stuff. So all of Team Rocket's plots revolve around like harvesting slowpoke tails to like fence for money. It's just like as a kind of a very pathetic feel to them that I think feels appropriate for, um, you, know, you know, functionally a children's storyline. And I think for the most part, they've tried to present these enemy teams as worldly but also stupid <laughs> like team aqua and team magma are dumb they're they're very stupid their plots are stupid the idea is dumb but i i appreciate that they're trying to inject a little bit of miyazaki environmentalism into the game it's and, and then they kind of make it pokemon by having the enemy teams be very very dumb and i think x and y also had this i think for the most part they do a good job of introducing a deep theme but then like making it enough of a joke that it's not you know it, it doesn't even require it to be well written because it ultimately it is like a kid's story i think the one time so 
black and white definitely they those games had a real story like a real emotional through line and probably um probably shouldn't have gone into that direction i think because it kind of sets an expectation for the rest of the series in a, in a bad way i think gen 4 also similarly gen 4 is just kind of off the rails where the main bad guy is like the cause of all human suffering is emotional barriers between people we need to get rid of them and he becomes gendo from neon genesis evangelion and is trying to remove like return everybody into the primordial ooze it's just like really out there but so i just want to i just wanted to hop onto that and say i i agree that i think some of the pokemon games have lost the plot but some of them have done a really good job of taking a semi-complex theme and dumbing it down enough to to be funny and enjoyable for kids um to get back to the original topic i think my favorite change uh was probably in Gen 4 when they removed physical special typing from or physical special split from being associated with types and associated it with specific moves. Uh, I think that just opens up the game significantly and it on stereotypes a lot of like Pokemon of a certain type. Like before fire was all special. Now you have physical fire Pokemon and special fire Pokemon. Like that I think that opened up not just mechanically, but also the design space for a lot of the Pokemon of a specific type aesthetically, because I think a lot of Pokemon is about signposting what type the Pokemon is through their design. It's because, you know, you're not given this perfect information of the Pokemon you face. A lot of it is you see a Pokemon for the first time, but it's kind of obvious that it's going to be a certain type. If you see a dog with lightning bolts on it, you're like, okay, I get it. This is an electric type. Um, But so I think splitting that up was both mechanically and design-wise just a really smart choice. I have really good memories of going over my friend's house with a copy of Pokemon Diamond and running around the underground, uh, hammering walls, and getting some uh, jewels. And I do think that a lot of the good parts of Pokemon come from these little adjustments to a well-established formula. Very incremental slow incremental changes you have like we mentioned already the secret base which just adds a tiny little bit of extra collection and discovery um we have the combat changes like mega evolutions dynamax uh terrestrialization the implementation of the wild area in sword shield i feel like we're going to continue seeing the evolution of these gimmicks, but the big thing that I really hope that they hammer in is that multiplayer aspect that Scarlet and Violet has and just didn't quite deliver fully on. I want to go out into the wild and I want to work with my friends to battle Pokemon or battle trainers and do double battles with them. Um, Even if they're just like set up gimmick points, I think that would be a big deal for me in particular and obviously we can't do that unless we get slightly more technologically adept pokemon games and when the pokemon company changes something it's usually nothing too crazy and i think especially seeing all the hubbub uh recently uh, with with pal world selling 20 20 million copies etc there's clearly hunger for more of an open world 
Pokemon experience. I mean, who hasn't dreamed of having like a Pokemon MMO or online game where you can meet up with your friends and trade Pokemon. And like, I feel like we've been trying to get to that in some way, shape or form through a bunch of like ad hoc piecemeal systems. But I do appreciate the fact that in uh, Sword and Shield, at the very least, you could go out, you could really just embrace the environment, see Pokemon in their natural habitat, as you said, Sam, and and just try to collect as many as you can, right? Try to live by the credo of the original games, but also try to work toward a future where we can have this really exciting open world to explore. And I don't know if we'll ever get there, but for me, that's the first time that I've seen like a major turning point in the series. Um, and I know Arceus kind of went went and took it a step further. And I, I'm sad to say that I have not played that yet. I'm excited to check that out when I have some time, but I, I, I want to see the series continue to take some bigger swings there because I think there's a lot of gold that's waiting to be uh, Doug Trioed up. Nice. Wow. Perfect. Do you guys nickname your Pokemon? I'm curious. I Oh, that's a great question. I do nickname Not my favorites. Once. Not once? You've never once Not nicknamed once. them? Wow. No, never either. And I hate the fact that when you, when they trade something to you, like a trainer in the game that has to be nicknamed, I'm like, why? Spies it. There was, I forget what. There's a Pokemon... I forget who it was in, in Shield. Someone traded me a Pokemon that just, just was named Peepers, and I <laughs> and like I forget I didn't forget what kind of Pokemon it was, but I had my team for a while. So it's like Sam put out Peepers, and I'm like, stop it! What's it? give me his real name? Don't change it. <laughs> out of here with that. I, I used to be a no nickname guy, but at some point in the past, I just convert. I I name Pokemon now by numbers. So <laughs> my starter is one, and then like I just sequentially name them two, three, and then. And then they oh are placed God. in a box in their numerical slot. I, I don't like to bond with my Pokemon. I think it's <laughs> oh important God. to remember that fundamentally these are instruments like cogs in the war machine. And so, you know, it's good to wow, that's... have a certain amount of emotional distance from them. They're, they're not real. They're, not, they're real to me. <laughs> I'm, this I'm, talking to, I'm talking to Kay. Yeah. They're not real. <laughs> This is so. You guys, you guys just don't know about the Pokemon War that Lieutenant Surge was fighting in. It's gonna come again. <laughs> it's called Power World. Oh no, that's right. Um, for those who don't know, in the early, the first games, there was one. Um, again, talking about sort of the lore and the world building, there was somebody named Lieutenant Surge who was the gym leader of the Electric Gym, who kept like alluding to some great battle that had occurred. Um, There's also a cruise ship there that was all interesting, and there's a there's like a Bill Gates equivalent. There's a lot of interesting stuff happening in those early games. But to answer your question, Kay, I do nickname my Pokemon, especially my favorites, and I often nickname them after kind of where I was when I caught them. So every time that I, you know, pick up a certain one, I'm like, oh, I remember that I was like at a coffee shop. That was really nice. Or I was traveling to see my family. Um, but then sometimes it's sort of depressing. I'll nickname a Pokemon and then it sits in the box forever and I'll find it later. I'm like, oh, you didn't deserve that good nickname that I wasted on you because you're not good enough for the battle which is perfect actually this leads me uh to it perfectly which is that for many of us pokemon games have been a core part of our childhood and our hobby of gaming in general um do you have a core memory or two of pokemon uh and gaming that means a lot to you we shared some of ours earlier but um from when we started with it but there are, are there other memories you're fond of which is pokemon a lot of my positive memories on the multiplayer side going over my friend's house and doing the little multiplayer gimmick for the generation, playing a match of randoms with my friends on Pokemon Showdown, 
booting up Scarlet and Violet and doing a little shiny hunting. All of these multiplayer aspects are so important to me, and a lot of them come from a love of these little creatures that we've had since we were young. And I really do appreciate that. Uh, kind of. So this is actually a more recent one, because everyone goes to childhood gaming. Uh, but when I first started uh, working the job I have now, I was commuting, this is, about, this is in 2015, I was commuting by the Long Island Railroad every day to Bayside, Queens at, I took a 5.30 a.m. train every day for a year. And I, it was just, it's so early. It's so weird. Penn Station at 5 a.m. is not a real place. It is, it is the seventh circle of hell. Um, but I got uh, Pokemon Alpha Sapphire on 3DS. And it was just kind of nice that, not just like, oh, it's fun. Here's a fun thing to do while I'm waiting at 5 a.m. But it was in the darkest, weirdest part of New York at a strange time when the only people on this train were people like me just commuting to work or people going back home from a night out and that went when they were out way too late. That I just got some sense of like structure and normalcy out of like, I, I have to get to the next gym. I have to level up these guys. There's all there's new there's new islands for me to explore. I found ways to get there. Like just finding some kind of way to fit it that kind of gaming into my routine in what was otherwise a very bizarre and uncomfortable routine for a while. But it kind of brought me back down to earth playing a little bit of Pokemon every morning. That's a great memory. And it's interesting because I actually thought you were going to talk about Pokemon Go when you started talking, which was one of a fond adult memory that I've had about Pokemon. I remember it came out summer 2016. It was just stressful times. And I remember I was living in New Orleans then. And it was something really magical about just like being out on the street and just like seeing kind of a group of people walking and you don't know what they're about and they don't know what you're about. And I just said something like, are you going for that Bulbasaur? And just instant friends with strangers of like, yeah, I am, you know, or it gave you something to do when you're commuting or traveling weird places. And um, I was really into it for a time and it was, it gave kind of purpose to those sort of quiet, funny amounts of time where you're like waiting for the bus or you're, you know, kind of just waiting for a meeting to start. And it was nice. And I got back into it briefly this summer. Shout out to my cousin, Harry, um, that he was really into it. And it was a really nice way to connect and be like, oh, how are you doing? Oh, wow, you caught that, you know, red, black Moltres? That's so cool. Like, I I try to catch it, but it got away. And I think that was a memory I remember being really fond of. And I also, my one of my uncles got me it was like a Tamagotchi, but it was Pikachu and you could like take care of it. It was everything. It was so cool. Like you could check in on Pikachu during the day and he was like surfing. And I'm like, I got to like, you know, make sure that Pikachu like brushes his teeth before he goes to bed. And like, that makes me want to brush my teeth before I go to bed. And, you know, it's a pedometer and man, I love that thing. I still have it just like it's treasured in this little, little box. I don't know if it'll ever turn on again, but it just made me so happy. That one week after Pokemon Go came out, I think David and I must have been juniors in college. So I think that was definitely like we were just chilling back home for the summer. And we when it came out, I think we I remember we all got into it and just like we were walking around like the stop and shop parking lot at like 1 a.m. Just like running into other random roving groups of people from high school. That was definitely an interesting memory. Uh, you just drudge that up from like the depths of my subconscious. but um. Um, honestly, my, my, my most notable memory, I remember 
corrupting or deleting my Pokemon Crystal save file when I was a kid. And that was like heartbreaking core memory, yeah. like destructive heart. Yeah. I mean, it was probably, I think it was probably our fault because I remember in Gen 2, you can clone Pokemon by turning off your uh, Game Boy if you are saving while you transfer boxes. And uh, that can clone the Pokemon or break your save. So I think we were probably messing around with that. Uh, and that's what happened. So, you know, you, me reaping this or whatever that, that tweet is, it's like me reaping, ha, huh, this is so awesome. Me sewing, what? <laughs> this is awful. Like, I can't believe this has happened to me. Yeah, I have um, probably three. Well, on that note, okay, I actually, I think I accidentally um, corrupted my save in Crystal 2 or Silver or whatever. One of the Gen 2 games, I never had gold, so Silver or Crystal. And I know, but the game was functioning. And what happened was I was in like a cave and like one Pokemon showed up that was just like a glitched image. And it was like, I think it's the missing number, missing no. I think I like got that to happen on my on my game. And for whatever reason, like I thought it was like a rare Pokemon that I, I had just like stumbled onto. And then I wasn't able to catch it. And then I was like, uh-oh, like. And I, I like created a, my own myth around it. Like I thought it was called Mystery Venus, <laughs> and I just like couldn't. I, I, I like it tore at my soul until years later. I realized it's just like a glitch in the, in the game. It's just a glitch. <laughs> That's why I couldn't find it again. It's not a shiny or anything. So that was one. Um, the, uh, the other was. I mean, the goat traveling around Lavender Town, like just like old, old, old vibes of doing that and getting Snorlax to move for the first time. Those are all fun. And then also off the beaten path, I'm a huge like Pokemon Coliseum fan. So that's easily my favorite. Well, it's not my favorite Pokemon game, but it's, it's my favorite like unconventional Pokemon game. And I just have so much, so many fond memories playing that on GameCube with the big production values of the big battles and, and the kind of a little more mature story and the interesting soundtrack. So um, definitely some some good times growing up playing Pokemon. Um, in terms of a single player memory, I do remember being blown away by Black and White 2 storyline when the giant crystals hit the world. I think that was the first time I was really playing a game that it felt like the world was in danger and that I was the one that could save it, which by now is a little bit of a tired formula, admittedly, but, you know, it was really cool at the time for me. There are definitely some wild moments in those games. I think in XD, the bad guys take over a news station and they start broadcasting from it, like hijack it and broadcast from it. It's like on the TVs, like everyone's watching the TV, watching the news and whatever this this evil Pokemon team is like talking about grand schemes. It's pretty intense. Totally. Well, you know, and it's also interesting. You're, you're drawing on some of these themes I love that there's these collections of blogs on the internet of like really sad Pokemon backstories or really messed up on Pokedexes, which is like the most the mess the most messed up thing you've ever heard of. Where it's like this Pokemon like is actually the soul of a child who got lost in the ocean and will never go home. And you're like, what is that? <laughs> like that's horrible. Who wrote this? You know. And so I think that there's also some bigger themes too of you know like media literacy and the news and the lies and the injustice. And you know, I know we're mostly talking about games, but in that first Pokemon movie, there's this whole thing about like what it means to have a soul, what it means to be alive and independent. Like, can you be made? Can you like is friendship enough to heal you? It, there's a lot of really deep themes in there. The potential, the kind of like murky lore around some of the Pokemon and. You know, is, is Lieutenant Surge the last living male adult or like some of these theories that people have or everything about Lavender Town. 
that's all that all underscores why I dislike the storytelling in modern Pokemon games because they tell you too much. They go into a lot of details and I like it better when there's a little bit of mystery and intrigue. It's kind of like what I like so much about a lot of Zelda dungeons. They don't tell you what they are. They just say like, this is the shadow temple. And then you go in there and there's a bunch of torture devices and like a bunch of zombies and blood everywhere. And you can kind of put two and two together that this was a prison and a torture chamber, but like you still have the opportunity to do that yourself. And I think, Pokemon show don't tell right yeah it's show don't tell and I understand if you're gonna tell then at least make it good uh, at least make it compelling and well paced but yeah Lavender Town was so good yeah Lavender Town is fantastic so sick also Giovanni <laughs> Giovanni what a heck of a villain Pokemon has I think does have this sort of sort of problem where the world itself is so analogous to ours that it just naturally invites questions about what's going on. I think other games do a better job of being It is like, close, right. The gameplay is the gameplay and it doesn't necessarily represent like reality whereas Pokemon sometimes blurs those lines as well. I mean this is like Sam was saying, you know, it's like did Lieutenant Surge fight in the Gulf War <laughs> or like who, what's the milk made from you know like these sorts of questions it just like naturally invites it because it's such a you know you know some of the games are like sent in, it's like the vibe is paris so you know it obviously invites these questions like what are pokemon are pikachu actually running on conveyor belts to power the city like you know it's it's hard to disengage yourself engage yourself from those questions Totally. Or is Nurse Joy cloned everywhere? Is it normal that a 12-year-old kid gets a, a secret monster and then they're allowed to go travel the world? Like, is that, you know, is that that is that safe? Like, is that, that would be great. I don't think that was an option for me on my summer breaks. But I do agree, like, that there is, because it's close, I think that there's this temptation to, to examine that story. I like to imagine the gym leaders are all like teachers and the Aww. the becoming a Pokemon champion is like kind of like a chaperone <laughs> coming of that. age thing. Yeah, that the is other like, trainers you, you see know, are just like it's none of it's real. You know, they're there to make sure you don't go. Yeah, past. other it's adults the scouts program, and it, they're just telling you you're going on a big adventure. <laughs> like you're just actually being you know moderated the whole time. It's I like a very that. positive Black Mirror episode. <laughs> the canon and lore of Pokemon is, you know. The, it shouldn't be taken too seriously, but I understand why people want to. Yeah, big time. Um, well, this is perfect. So I wanted to go and talk about some of the other games in the Pokemon Media franchise. Um, so as a quick rundown, there were some games like Pokemon Stadium 1999, uh, which was the forerunner to Coliseum, which David brought up, where multiple players could play various mini games, battle each other, these big set pieces. Um, there was Pokemon Snap also in 99, um, and it's refreshed, refreshed sequel, new Pokemon Snap 2021, which invited players to practice photography of kind of kept, like taking pictures of Pokemon in their natural habitats and exploring. Um, there are games like Detective Pikachu in 2016 and its 2023 sequel, which attempted a bit more of a plot and experimentation with genre with middling success. Um, perhaps most ambitious was Pokemon Legends um, Arceus, um, 2022, which invited players to focus less on battling and more about exploring research community building. Um, so of these non-core Pokemon games, which are the strongest? And for the ones that aren't so strong, where do you think they fall short? I wrote a long tirade about why I thought Detective Pikachu Returns could have been better, um, but I'm curious what y'all think. I, I hesitate to call Arceus... Uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus, a spinoff, just because I felt when I, while I was playing it, this is just kind of what Pokemon games should be now. 
like if they want to do something a little bit different, but still keep the core gameplay and core concepts uh, around. Clearly, it wasn't the case because later that same year was Scarlet Violet. So you know, uh, but I I think Pokemon Snap is the best way to do it because uh, you know the sequel was pretty good. I like that. But what I loved about Pokemon Snap is what I said I liked about uh, the newer games letting you see the Pokemon in the wild. It's you actually get to experience the world from a different perspective, not as someone who's trying to use these Pokemon for battles or, or collecting. It's just, I want to see like where the Caterpie are and where, and where's, is there a Psyduck near the water? Is he, does he fall in? If you throw an apple at his head, uh, you know, if you get a great ang- the right angle, you can find a Scyther in the, in the tall grass. Like that to me is really fun. And like finding new ways to, to, just sort of ex- experience the Pokemon world, not just Pokemon as a mechanic, but as world building. That's what I think is really special about those games. Yeah, I agree totally. Yeah. <laughs> My only memory of Pokemon Snap is I used to, um, some mutual friends of me and Kay, I would do, we would do what was called like a Snap slumber party. Four of us would chill, eat food, play video games, mainly Pokemon Snap. And uh, so that was my... <laughs> my 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 memory associated with that game but i i think for me again pokemon coliseum dope i think any anything that takes pokemon out of just the turn-based framework and gives an excuse to show them in like fully rendered 3d graphics try to provide a little more of like a frame around the the world of pokemon is a very welcome Again, I think I think there's a whole subset of people that play Pokemon because they love the design. So why not give as much of an opportunity in your games to let people interact with those Pokemon? And it's not that like, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like some of the newer Pokemon games, you can like set up camp and like pet them and stuff. So it's like if you're already going to render the models, like why not just go all the way and, and try to try to capitalize on that in the gameplay of, of your experience? So that's, again, why the the Coliseum XD Gale of Darkness those games really stood out to me yeah I think I I agree I think honestly a lot of people who really like Pokemon would honestly enjoy it more if it was completely divorced from battling um like I kind of feel like they should just split the franchise in two or one branch of the franchise is really is focused on battling and one is not I mean they've always felt a little contradictory like I think people are like Pokemon are pets, but also, you know, we enslave them in Pokeballs and make them fight each other. Like there's a, there's a lot of weird weirdness to the concept, you know? And, and I do think a lot of people really like when snap, just seeing the Pokemon in the wild or even in Arceus to degree, seeing them in the wild, just um, like, I feel like it would be better in a way if we were able to get like a franchise that is almost more focused on battling and one that's completely divorced from the concept. Um, like I pal world is inherently quite violent. Um, but like if there was a Pokemon game that was primarily about capturing Pokemon and then having them like run errands for you and generate resources and you could build a house or something, I feel like that would really vibe with people in a, in a more cozy, like farming simulator, like construct your, what your base, like base building kind of way. Yeah. As opposed to this, like run through the story, like you're fighting evil, like Pokemon, you know, are fighting other Pokemon kind of thing. I, I just think it would probably be 
it would probably work better. Like people who play competitive are not really playing the story because they like think the story is incredible or whatever either. So, um, but to really circle back to the question a little bit, I think something that was not mentioned, um, the mystery dungeon series, uh, I think mystery dungeon also captured the charm of Pokemon quite well in the sense that they kind of removed the human aspect of it for, for in a, in, in a lot of ways. Right. Cause like obviously the main character, not to get into the details, but the main character is a human turns into Pokemon that sort of thing but the rest of it's just like kind of like pokemon and pokemon interacting and i think that really captured a lot of the charm of pokemon as well i will always have a huge soft spot for the pokemon mystery dungeon games and one of my favorite was the ranger game uh series where you just kind of drew circles around the pokemon over and over again um one of my least favorite was pokemon rumble blast which was kind of their attempt at a hack and slash, but you had one button to press. I couldn't imagine that being in a really good spot for even a kid. Um, thankfully, I think they have really strong games as well, such as Pokemon Snap and Stadium. I really wish they brought back a version of Stadium again, rather than just bringing out the same copy of Stadium over and over and over again. I love the 1999 game, but... We don't really have that many gens to play around with with Pokemon Stadium. I don't know. I, I think a lot of the Pokemon spinoffs that do not focus on Pokemon battling each other actually really capture the spirit of Pokemon or what a lot of people like about Pokemon very well. And I'm, I wonder if they will ever try to transition more in that direction in a more slightly more serious direction. Yeah. Like I mean, it would be nice. I was just gonna say I I. Again, double clicking on the on the earlier comment I made about Pokemon feeling like a wholesome game, I love that. Okay, could you imagine if Nintendo did a crossover between like Animal Crossing and Pokemon? Or I mean, I, obviously mechanically they'd have to change some things, but I think that would be like a slam dunk. Two very popular franchises that you just like <laughs> unite the brands for an entry. Um, I think there's so much you could do from like if you leaned into the wholesome aspect of Pokemon. I'd love to see, like, people, some some person did, like, a Pokemon Concierge, like, old-school Game Boy pixel art, and that was awesome. Like, I would love to see a, a video game take on on something, like, of a Concierge in, in, in style and tone. It'd be awesome. Yeah, that was actually my question, which was that, like, a total fan service question is, what's a Pokemon game you'd like to see, like, set in the world? Um, just imagining what would it what would it be nice to have? Like, I would love, a, a, like, a good Pokemon cafe. There's a, a Pokemon cafe. It's not great. But I would love, like, a, a cafe where Pikachu helps make espresso. Oh, if I had a magic wand, I think I'd probably waste it. I'm such a sucker for the Pokemon formula. I actually, so I do think that that would be great, any kind of like good, cozy Pokemon game. When I saw this question, what I thought of, I thought if you take the core series, did anyone play, I assume, I think David you have, but uh, do you guys play Dragon Quest Eleven? No. All right, well, one of the things I liked about that game, I didn't make much use of it personally, but it's a 3D, you know, classic turn-based RPG, but you can play it a 2D version of that same game where you could decide to play it like, like a classic, like from the 80s or 90s Dragon Quest game, where there's random encounters, it's the same story, there's no voice acting, or you can play it a big 3D, big open world kind of thing. And I think doing that with Pokemon would be really cool if you connected a lot of the other worlds, you got 
Johto and Kanto and, and maybe some of the other ones have this massive Pokemon world where you can either try and play it the modern way or classic 2D sprites uh, Pokemon. Like So that way everyone kind of gets what they want here in, in terms of graphical style. Because I do kind of miss like the top-down view of Pokemon. I think making it really expansive seems like the logical next step but sometimes yeah I'm, the swapping, know, I wish I could swapping perspectives would be a pokemon silver a lot of work game. so that's, that's my that would be crazy that's my thing i think that was not Kale nailed it that before cost too much money for your prompt about like i think um a town building game like a stardew valley or something would be awesome you could have like light battling elements like obviously you use your abilities to like fight monsters and like other pokemon in caves and stuff but i would love someone to Nintendo to enlist some help for something like that. Personally, I do not want that kind of game at all. That is that makes me want it twice as much. It's not, not something I want. I want it three times as much now. I think I'd really just want to see a perfected version of Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. No technical issues. A perfect multiplayer where you can play the entire game with your friends and even do like major battles against a opponent team of twelve Pokemon and you guys are double battling the whole time. Um kind of like a Pokemon with that multiplayer focus, so it feels like you are exploring with your friends. Maybe even you know, we can bring back triple battling or some weird quadruple battling so that it can really, really support this idea of exploring the world with your friends. I think like if I were to make a like a dream Pokemon game, it would probably not have exploration and it probably also would not have like experience either. I think it would just be like a gauntlet of trainer battles and then you like but you build up like your roster of held items like battle items and like TMs like every X trainers and then like trainers would be like Pokemon would be represented by like um instead of having levels it would just be like plus X or minus X like how much stronger they are relative to your current party cap and you would just like run through gauntlets of trainers and then you like randomly obtain like a Pokemon from a pool every like extra actually kind of intriguing i like yeah, just saying like, making a pokemon roguelite yeah like it, it essentially would be a form of like like a nuzlocke challenge but like actually built into the game but i mean i don't think that would ever happen i think there's like a sweet spot of like people who don't want to go online or like who don't want to grind on pokemon showdown but still want a challenging pokemon game and i think that is something that is possible like it, game free could make it it's not something that would be so prohibitively difficult for them to make that it could happen but i do think overall that's very unlikely so um i don't know what a dream pokemon game is because i don't if it's like not possible it's hard for me to say it's even a dream sure you know you know but i do think that there's actually i think there's something to be said for that because i used to really like maybe it was stadium or coliseum i can't remember but that at a certain point you could unlock where you have all the Pokemon at like level 100, basically. And it's really just your combination, like your choices of combining different teams together and fighting your friends. And I was really good at that. And it got me into a lot of fights with my friends. <laughs> like, and they got really mad at me or people like just didn't want to play with me as much. And I remember thinking, I'm really enjoying the strategy of this. And I, I wish I could just keep battling without, you know, making everybody angry which actually, so let's let's go ahead and talk about battles. So this is the last question for this segment, which is let's talk about Pal World. Um, for years, there have been fan-made Pokemon mods and competitor spinoffs, or you know, just really really cheap 
clear knockoffs of Pokemon, trying to capitalize on its popularity, some of which get shut down by Nintendo. Um, Power World so far seems to have made it past the gauntlet that is Nintendo's legal team, although they've recently released a statement making it very clear that they're, they're kind of tracking what's going on. Um, you know, the Pokemon franchise is very much rooted in these bright colors and themes of friendship and kinship, and Power World is still cute, but there's there's guns. <laughs> um, so what do you all make of Power World? Are you playing it? Is it a good game with its own merit or is it just novelty hype that will go away i think it's novelty hype i mean it's not going to go away because it sold again 20 million units so unless or, or 20 million yeah copies right not even just in sale 20 million copies um nintendo's legal team if they come up they might have a say in in its longevity but i think there is it's it's significant not because of the game itself based on the limited i played for a couple hours one evening and i was like whelmed it had it did just enough to get me to like keep playing like there's enough of a loop and a lot of the just like addicting like you know frivolous um drop down a tree build a house right like like build your base and that stuff keeps you hooked because you just have to like feel compelled to do it it doesn't mean it's fun i wasn't having it's like the same way that power wash simulator is strangely strangely addicting even if it's not fun if that makes sense. But I think there is something to be said about the game because having this massive world to explore and you have this constant sense of progression as you're unlocking new things, you're you're gaining access to new things you can build, new Pokemon, they level, or sorry, new pals, they level up, they get access to new abilities that you can use in the overworld to help you. So you can have like hold one Pokemon, uh, sorry, one pal as a shield. Very like, it's not totally diametrically opposed to Pokemon, I would say. But there's something that makes me, when I was playing it, I'm like, I would love to see Nintendo build on Arceus and do something in this vein. Like, it it would be... If, if this if the Pal World devs had the budget of the Pokemon company to develop a game, and they had the talent, let's say, too, of Nintendo, like, the sky would be the limit, and I feel like people would eat it up. And uh, it just makes me wonder what if... As is, though, the game itself, I don't think it's particularly good, now. Yeah, I played like an hour of Pal World last week, and to be clear, this is kind of a me thing, but I am really sick of games telling me I gotta punch rocks and trees, and then build things, and then I have to press like four different buttons and prompts before that thing becomes the thing I want. It's like you gotta build a, a, a workbench, and then construct a Pal Sphere, not a Pokeball, a Pal Sphere, and then you have to press another button to pick it up and then another button to like aim and throw it. It's, I, I understand what you're saying, David, that like there definitely is something here for people who want to put Pokemon into a different kind of genre and, and give people a little more freedom and a little more, I guess, control over every single second of gameplay. I just played that game and I thought this game is everything and nothing at the same time. It is here's all these different mechanics and we've just kind of smooshed them together and it doesn't feel like it's become a soup or a stew. It's just like when people put ketchup on scrambled eggs, it's just like, let's just put a bunch of, st- I, I mean, some people like that. I don't, they're all sickos. I was going to say, I love that. So or you're a sicko, um, but <laughs> I'm kidding, of course, <laughs> but like, let's just like just mashing things together and hoping they work. And that's what it looks like to me when I see people get really deep into it. It's like, this is arc survival evolved, but these things kind of look like Pokemon. Uh, that's kind of fun. And I'm like, nah, that's that there's no creativity there. It's just kind of pushing everything together. And so I, it actually gave me a weirdly 
<laughs> it made me kind of appreciate Pokemon a little bit more. Because at the very least, even if these games are kind of half-baked when they come out now, they're not fully polished. They're, there are so many things I don't like about them. I don't think a Pokemon game will ever be Game of the Year, ever. I think all of these games are people love them, but they're never really truly special anymore. Maybe the way they used to be. But I at least acknowledge that there is a clear vision with every single one of them. And one that, even if I don't agree with all the choices they make, I at least understand that someone wanted to do something that makes a lot of sense. And I did not get that from Power World at all. Oh, Power World. I, I, I read a piece before I got into Pal World with my group of friends that said Pal World would be fantastic if it wasn't for its attempts at being evil. I think that's about right. Um, Pal World takes a lot of mechanics from other games, which is completely fine. You got the Pokemon Arceus uh, catching animation basically stapled in there. You have Arc's tech trees. Um, but it, they, it comes together in such a unique way that it's pretty obvious as to why Pal World was so successful. I think that there is like a large undercurrent of or like of like being fed up with the Pokemon company or Game Freak for people that like got into Pokemon but fell off of it, or, you know, really liked it at, at one point, but like things never really changed and it was just like new Pokemon and the same formula. Like if you were playing Pokemon when you were like nine or ten like, you know, like someone our age, you know, David and I, they were like, you know, late 20s. It's like you could be playing Pokemon as a kid, but then like as an adult, like post-college, you're like hopping in a Discord lobby and you're playing Valheim or playing Minecraft or whatever, right? Like I think Pokemon, the core franchise has shown like an extremely severe inability to evolve at all. And I think what Pal World does is it captures on this idea of, Pokemon, but if it was like completely different, like I think if you don't like if you are not into the mechanics of Pokemon battling, then playing the mainline Pokemon games is like you are playing it for the appreciation of Pokemon, not for any of the gameplay. And at least something Pal World does is that it it latches onto this type of game that is, you know, very popular with people like like Valheim, like people act like Valheim is a dead game and Valheim was like 50,000 concurrent players on Steam, which is incredible, right? Like this sort of like crafting survival, like asset management, base building, like constant threat type game is like something that is very popular. And that being said, I'm surprised Pal World took off as well as it did when it is so close to Ark. And I kind of feel bad for the devs of Ark. <laughs> Imagine seeing this like 20 million copy release game in like two or three weeks and seeing so much of yourself in it and being like did you guys hate dinosaurs that much uh that being said my friends adore pal world the ones that are much more into survival craft than i am so i imagine that it's a, a very very solid game and i've been enjoying it even as somebody who despises the genre plagiarism accusations aside i think the pal world has you know really captured the zeitgeist in terms of they've captured the discontent of people who like pokemon or bark but are completely bored and done with the pokemon company's complete refusal to evolve the game genre wise in any way and have like taken a modern genre and like stapled this onto it and like you know um 
like in, Dave and I, you know, we're in our friend server, uh, in our group friend group server, we have like a bunch of po Pokemon players that me included, we play like Nuzlocke and ROM hack difficulty hacks of, of existing games. And like, we're really into the mechanics of it, but none of us are into pal, pal world. But we do have another friend who's like very into Pokemon, but he's not into the mechanics of battling. And he's really enjoying pal world because it's like it, it gets the same aesthetic vibes and, and the comfort of that. But it is in a gameplay genre that he now actually enjoys. He's like not forcing himself to play through a Pokemon game uh, that, you know, is either really easy or has not like evolved in, or iterated in a way that is relevant to his interests. So I think for, you know, I think the plagiarism um, thing like throws a wrench into it significantly. But I do think that Pal World has sort of like, it has captured like a real sentiment, in my opinion, that exists out there where it's like it's a very severe evolution of the idea of pokemon that i think is appealing to a lot of people um like yeah and, then, and again the, the plagiarism really like throws a wrench and things i kind of wish it wasn't so blatantly similar that it would be a bit more of a genuine conversation I, I one thing that it reminds me of and i was thinking this when playing pal world is that honestly more lawyers should be coming after them than just nintendo i mean not well and not just the Pokemon company, because it's like they're ripping Pokemon, but they're also ripping a lot of like Breath of the Wild. You have a glider in it, like like everything kind of screams Sheikah uh, kind of imagery. Um, there's like when you're when you're mining for resources, it immediately called to mind Fortnite and like just a bunch of I think they're they're taking so much from different places that it's then, you know, it's hard to, to pinpoint. Oh, you picked everything from our game. But it actually does remind me thinking about Fortnite of Fortnite, low high key just taking PUBG, just taking right PUBG was the top top dog and then Fortnite came out of nowhere just abandoned its original proof of concept went for battle royale completely changed the formula kind of by copying and then and then added the but it added something new to the experience in the form of building and then people were like oh i much prefer this and i think power world that's not the same equivalency obviously this is much more take 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 from a bunch of other things and less less being creative um but i think there's something to be said about yeah it's resonating like there's something about the formula here that i do think nintendo once they're done with the season cease and desist they gotta take take a few notes i think they should at least think about it i i just think there's a lot of people that like pokemon and they don't like they don't really like anything about the games like nothing about the games really entices them anymore but they're still playing it and i think pal world has made a made a game that it that people like that will at least can sink time into um, whether it will have legs or will update frequently enough to keep those players is a different conversation but you know props to them well 100 percent and I would actually say I'm one of those people where I diehard played all of blue, played all of yellow, played gold and crystal. I played all of sapphire. And then something happened where I started hitting my late teens and then college and, and adulthood, whereas I was playing the games that I thought I'm just playing the same game, but it now no longer has the nostalgia of what I remember. Like it's not the top down style that Sam was describing. There's Pokemon that seemed just kind of ridiculous. Like I got Scarlet to play with my friend Allison and to play with my cousin Harry. And I was like, why is there a vacuum cleaner Pokemon? And why is it good? <laughs> like, why is there an ice cube? Like I remember somewhere around, 
I mean, I remember liking Sun and Moon. I think it's someone that's kind of on Hawaii. Like, again, I picked up a lot of these games, but I would put maybe five hours into it and then stop. Like, there would be, I'd kind of get to the Mega or Giga Evolutions and go, what is this? Like, oh my God. Like, what? We got to make them giant now? Okay. Like, you know, or the one where you're in France, I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, and I would just sort of get to this point where I thought, I've already played this game. Like, I've played this dozens of times and I'm just impatient and I'm no longer enjoying it the same way that I used to. And so I've been able to find things that I appreciate about Scarlet. But meanwhile, Arceus and uh, New Pokemon Snap, I played through all of those because I was so delighted to be in that world and to have something new and different to do. Um, and so I don't, I don't really know if I like the mechanics that are present in Power World, but I, I think there's something to be said for what you're saying here, Kay, that there, there's a disconnect between formula and gameplay and you know aesthetic style. Yeah, it is it is no mystery to me why Power World is resonating with people. I just think personally, as a game, it is not good. I mean, no one's disagreeing. We a hundred percent agree. I mean, it's it's not a good game, and well, yet I'm not going to say if it's good or not. I have not played it. I won't like necessarily make that judgment. But okay, so not speaking for Kate, but I a hundred percent echo that it is. It's not a stellar game. I don't even know if it's a great or good game, but it's 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 at least serviceable, I guess, in some concept. Well, the guns was an inspired touch, and the butchering humans for resources and capturing them in pal spheres is also. <laughs> all right, so thank you all for engaging in all of this discussion. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back for our second segment, which is back to Pokemon gaming, um, and a quick uh, some rapid fire questions, which should be fun. Welcome back. If you've listened to our podcast before, you know we change up the second segment. Sometimes we induct favorites into a hall of fame on our site, punishbacklog.com, and other times we debate hot takes. Today, I'm going to do a series of 15 rapid-fire questions for everyone to answer. Um, There's a variety of flavors in there. The group have not heard these questions before. Are you all ready? Yes. Let's do it. So we'll start off with an easy one, or a few couple easy ones, um, which are talking about the generations that we played growing up. So rapid fire one, best starter in generation one, Bulbasaur, Squirtle, or Charmander? Charmander. Shamander. Shamander. <laughs> that was Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll go Squirtle. Bulbasaur. I also wrote Charmander. Um, number two, best starter in generation two, Chikorita, Totodile, or Cyndaquil? Chikorita. Are you seeing a theme here? Totodile. Chikorita. Totodile, yeah. Yeah, Chikorita for me. Uh, best starter in Generation 3, Trico, Mudkip, or Torchic? Torchic. Torchic. Uh, Trico. I think Torchic. Speed boost, Blaziken is very strong. <laughs> I wrote Mudkip. I think he's so cute. I love him. When my Pokemon Go like re- resurgence that I did, I just had a little Mudkip next to me. His name is Clyde, and I love him. Um, okay, rapid fire number four. Did you ever complete a Pokedex in a game, yes or no? No. Sadly. Mm-mm. I have never quite completed a Pokedex, though. I've really tried hard to in the past. Um, yes, <gasps> I completed Pokedex in um, Alpha or uh, Omega Sapphire, and I'm at like 386 out of 390 in um, Sun and Moon, I think. I'm in legit awe. I could okay. never get remotely close. Does anything cool happen when you complete a Pokedex? No, just like an overwhelming like nihilistic void. And emptiness. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> okay, good, good, good. Perfect. All right, rapid fire number five. As a group, name as many Pokemon professors from the game as you can. There's 11, and for a while, a hint, they were named for trees. Oh, Oak, Rowan, Elm, mm-hmm. Juniper, mm-hmm. Um, Birch. Mm-hmm. Did I say Birch? Birch is... Okay. Um, no, you got those. That's that's the first five. That's awesome. Kay is leading the team here. Beast. Uh, Sada and uh-huh. Toro are the uh-huh. two in the most recent one. I don't think I know the rest. That's really good, <laughs> David. Nope. I'm gonna be no help here. Professor Pl- Professor Plum. No, <laughs> in the uh, dining hall with the candlestick. Did we say Elm? We said Elm, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kay said Elm. Come on. How about Locust? They're all they're all Professor Oak <laughs> with a new shirt. Yeah. No, this is like the perfect generation too. I, I want to say like, um, the I think the Hawaii one. He just has a different name. I think it's like he does. It's like Kukul or something. That is his name. It's Kukui. Yeah. Kukui, and um. There's two more tree ones, and then there's one from Arceus, which will be hard for you to get. I do not know the Arceus. I think Sycamore is another one. Yes, yes. And one, one um, more tree one. Ooh, this one's tough. Um, it's known for being like a flowering tree, if that helps. I think I think this is the female mm-hmm. um, elderly professor mm-hmm. who is Sonia's like grandmother or something. Yes, correct. Wow, um, <laughs> great recall. Uh, Fuja is a town and also not a tree. I, and it wouldn't be like soccer or anything. Um, I think it's Magnolia. Absolutely incredible. Yes, it is Magnolia. I have played, I have played every single game, so it would be a little sad if I didn't. It's pretty good that you can remember those. The, the Arceus one is Professor Laventon, which I don't know why they came up with that name, but wow. Okay. Well, well done. Um, okay. Rapid fire question. Number six, team rocket group of fashionable thugs or nuanced organized crime, organized crime, but I like kick organized crime. (laughs) I wish they were a little bit more nuanced. I think that they're kind of cool when they have more complexity heaped on them. But, you know, when you're taking Pokemon right from the hands of little girls, I mean, how close can you really get? <laughs> I think that the later generations did a much better job. Organized crime. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I think when Giovanni is around, it's organized crime. I prefer, like, the Gen 2 Team Rocket when they're, like, you know, you know, sell like cutting off slowpoke tails and like desperately looking it's for like Giovanni and like trying to bring him back. <laughs> successful. That that era of Team Rocket is my favorite. The lovable losers. I agree, a hundred percent. Okay, rapid fire number seven: Pikachu. Perfect or overhyped? Perf. I'll go perfect. I don't like how much preferential treatment it gets. For <laughs> that, as a soft overhyped for K. I think there's a reason that. Pikachu is the face of the most profitable franchise in history. It's it's designs really really good. Bright yellow, big rosy cheeks, um, that tail. You could really pick Pikachu out of a pile of generic mascots and get it every single time. All right, uh, rapid fire number eight. There's always a rival in the core games, and early on, you know, we might know him as Gary. Um, so for that characterization in general, villain or misunderstood. I liked it better when he was a villain. Now it's like, he's your friend. You just play, the, play against each other as your friends. No, it's <laughs> like, no, this guy's, a, this guy's a jerk. And I don't like him. Mm-hmm. That's a real rivalry. I do think the Gen 2 rival is my favorite. He's the one who's most outright a jerk. You know, he's 
a criminal. Um, I think your the, grandpa likes me better than you. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I I don't. I also don't like it when they're too friendly. Um, at least when they're friendly, they tend to have like some sort of self doubt related character arc, which personally I don't like that sort of thing. Like stay worse, but rival really really depends on your games i think more recently the rivals have been really wedged to be these like you know nice little kids you want to be friends with them um i really prefer in the earlier games where it's like you know a kid with like anger issues you know like <laughs> uh like the kid that steals from the lab is just i, I find it enticing to see their growth into from this like power hungry menace to someone who really can be your friend. What about you, David? I don't have a strong feeling. I just think Gary's a badass. So maybe misunderstood. I don't know. Well, he also, he has a great, in the anime, he's got a great redemption arc. Um, okay. Yeah. Rapid fire number nine. Do Pokemon die? Yes or no? All the time. Yes. No. I don't think so. Pokemon do not die, except for that time that they do. Unfortunately, we do have basically confirmation that a Pokemon did die, right? So I think that in general, if your little guy gets nuked by a Necrozma Hyper Beam, they're not dead, but I think that there are factors that can kill Pokemon outside of battle, like maybe like old age or abuse. I don't know. Maybe they do. Oh, so you changed your mind, David. They do die. Well, no, but, I mean, maybe they, I mean, do they live on forever? I could think they, I don't think they die from battles. No, but not I think from they battles, but do they causes. die? Yes. Are they capable of death? I think they could die from natural. Yeah. I am positive it's probably shown up in an anime episode. I'd love to be proven wrong. Like, I'm sure there's but... Pokemon who, who die from natural causes. This is like a part of the movie. Like Pikachu dies and they all come back to life. And then Mewtwo is like, I see now that the circumstances of one's birth is irrelevant. It is what you do with the gift of life that determines who you really are. <laughs> yeah, that's a perfect quote. I love it. Okay, so then we have said, we, we, we concur that Pokemon die, which I, I agree with. So this is my follow-up question. Do they become ghost Pokemon or are ghost Pokemon simply always ghosts? Ghost Pokemon come from humans, I think. <gasps> do they really? Is this, like, confirmed? No, it's just my theory. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's Kay's theory. Sam, David? I like that theory. I concur. I have no strong feelings, again. How can you not have strong feelings? You're out here being like, Lavender Town's so cool. This is our moment, David. I'm in, I'm in an easy mood. I'm in an easy-going mood today. All you right, said Kay's lightning. Leading. I'm like, Kay's give me a lightning. Lightning indecision. <laughs> We're not in like a, oh, we're going to be arguing till two in the morning mood, which Sam and I are usually in one of those moods. Um, okay, so, all right, all right. Ghost Pokemon uh, are dead humans. Got it. Um, rapid fire number 10. What is the best EV evolution? Uh, Sylveon. Vaporeon. If you know, you know. Espeon. I was going to say Espeon. What about you, David? Um... I can't remember the names. I think I was going to say Vol Volteon, is it? I think I was going to say Volteon. Jolteon. Jolteon. Yes. Jolteon. Okay, I'm going to say Umbreon. Oh, Jolteon. Umbreon? Yeah, not Volteon. I don't know any of them. Umbreon. Let's go Umbreon, Umbreon too. Yeah. You don't know any of them. Well, let's see. Can Kay, can you name all of them? Um, Jolteon, Vaporeon, uh, Flareon, Leafeon, um, Glaceon, Sylveon, Umbreon, and Espeon. So I think that's eight, right? 
Yes, I, yes I think that's all of them. Nice, nice, so good. I always forget the uh, the fairy one. Um, okay, rapid fire number eleven. What do you think is the highest selling mainline Pokemon game generation to date? Um, unfortunately, it, I've done research on this one. Ooh, you know what, Jason? Then okay, hold your guess, and let's come back to you. I'm gonna say black and white. Diamond pearl. Um. So. I guess the 3DS sold a lot less than the DS, right? Yeah, I'll also go with black and white. Okay, now a follow-up question. Guess how many million units? And then I'll tell you the right answer. A hundred and... Is this way... Is this crazy? I was going to say 103 million units. That's a two-thirds attach rate. I'll go 35 million. I'm going to go 50, 50 mil. 50 mil. I believe... <laughs> I believe that it's a red-blue... Um, and I think it's nearing 40 million. I think 37 million was the most recent one I had seen. K is the closest with units, which is 31.37 million units sold. But Jason is right with both. Um, you might have more up-to-date info. I love this data from Wikipedia. That really speaks to Pokemon just taking on the world uh, in the late 90s. Um, Rapid Fire 12, uh, one of the meta debates in the Pokemon gaming franchise is the frustration that many Pokemon starter Pokemon start off on four legs looking all cute and end up after their, you know, their evolutions to be standing on two legs looking like a person. Do you hate this or do you not mind it? I love it. I mean, it's not always the case, right? It is often the case, sir. Yeah, Venusaur is still on all fours. Yeah, these are the, this is yeah. the OG generations, the older ones, yes. But the more modern ones, all these Pokemon are standing up I mean, all people. Yeah. It's a metaphor. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, I don't generally care too much what Pokemon look like, so I'll say I'm fine with it. Ugh, you can tell clearly where my stance was with my attitude that I brought out. I hate it. It makes me so mad. It makes me so Occasional <laughs> contributor to the site, Mark, he despises this trend. Okay, good. He's like, I Thank don't goodness. want my Pokemon to be bipedal. I don't He's like, at I don't. All. Interesting. He doesn't like bipedals in general, though. Cool. Well, I, I feel like humans. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that'd be a fun way to describe like that. He's not a people person. I don't like bipedals in general. <laughs> but no, it makes me it makes me furious. OK, I don't well. really care. Um, the slowly becoming bipedal is kind of funny, in my opinion, um, that so many Pokemon do it. It kind of points to an idea of growing sentience in the Pokemon franchise, which I, I find cute enough. Um, also, with a lot of questions about that, <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe we should stop using them to battle each other if they're growing in sentience. Rapid Fire 13, what's the most annoying Pokemon you've ever seen or fought in a game? And you can define annoying however you want oh. it to be. Shifu is just an absolute menace. Miltank. <laughs> Whitney's Mill Tank is a classic. Yeah, get out of here, you milk-producing jerk. Stop rolling out on me. It, it has to be Magikarp, right? Oh, Magikarp. Oh, man. Fighting a Magikarp I, is... I think there's a right answer. I think fighting a Magikarp or fighting as a Magikarp or whatever, like trying to train yours. Most frustrating Pokemon by a mile but if i can give a fun answer i'll also say mystery venus because i was never able to catch it <laughs> so you made it up <laughs> cynthia's garchomp oh yeah you know what i remember having a really hard time with brock's um onyx when i was playing pokemon yellow and and i think i had also 
yeah, I remember it just being really difficult to fight. And I remember having to just like cast like as many paralysis attacks as I could. Oh, it was so painful. Um, which actually brings me to rapid fire 14. You each are going to have a slightly different one. Um, and we'll have Kay go first since he's been crushing this. Kay, name three grass attacks. Uh, magical oh, leaf, um... razor leaf, and grass knot. Nice. Perfect. Uh, David, name three electric attacks. I'm going to get exposed here. Thunderbolt, <laughs> Thunder Wave, and Thunder Shock. Are those all ones? Okay. Um, okay so, <laughs> so you're good. Sam, name three water attacks. Bubble. Mm-hmm. Water Gun. Mm-hmm. Bubble Beam. All right, Jason, three fire attacks. Um, fire Blast, f- Flare Bits, Ember. Nice, got it, perfect. Um, and then Rapid Fire 15, name a color that hasn't been used yet for a game title that you think would sound cool. Mauve. <laughs> what would be the alternate for mauve? Chartreuse. Mauve and chartreuse. Could you imagine picking a Pokemon mahogany? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go olive. Oh, yeah. And David, think of an inverse yeah. of olive. Yeah, let's, let's yeah. make you do two. Olive is a good one. I'm trying to think of something that pairs uh, well. Eggshell. <laughs> Yeah, you need to think of something that caviar. Well. Caviar would be the third one. Oh my god! It smells like quartz. I think that there's already a ROM hack oh, quartz, called Pokemon Quartz. Cute. But yeah. quartz would be quartz would be cool. What would be the inverse of quartz if it was a real one? Okay. Jade. Ooh, I don't know. nice. Um, that has like weird, like pseudo air quotes. Yeah, I was about to say it's probably why I got so excited though. <laughs> how about how about how about cadmium and tungsten? Mm. Just two different metals. We already have gold. There was um, yeah, uranium. How about oh, uranium's a thing, right? That's another fan mod. Pokemon uranium notably taken down by Nintendo. They, they, they can go with more planets. You know, Venus and Mercury. Planets could be good. Yeah, you just like go to a different planet. Mm-hmm. Pokemon Mars. Oh, that'd be cool. <gasps> that sounds neat. Pokemon Jupiter sounds pretty sick. Yeah, nice. Mystery Venus again. Yeah, I'll say as a bonus rapid fire, what was your favorite um, legendary to catch in the game where you were like, now I'm unstoppable? Probably Rayquaza. Yeah, that's a good one. Lugia. Ho-Ho. Yeah. Ho-Ho. Ho-Ho was like a proud day in my life when I caught Ho-Ho and didn't use a Master Ball. So I still got that Mm. Master Ball in the the chamber later on. Yeah, yeah. Lugia, yeah. for sure. I feel like Rayquaza has like a very nice, like in Emerald at least, it has like a very definitive cutscene where it just like, you idiots, knock it off. And then they like both like go home humbled. So it feels very powerful. <laughs> so I'll go with that. It was so awesome. Well, and I think Rayquaza was one of those two in, in the earlier games. I remember catching it and going through just a series of, I think that speaks to the Pokemon lore that would happen in sort of the early days of the internet where you're like, I heard that there's this one Pokemon that if you fly over this lake at this particular angle, it unlocks this other section of the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And that was just a, such an exciting experience to feel like you had uncovered something. I do secret. think Generation 3 has the most of that sort of like really arbitrary specific ways of unlocking Pokemon. Obviously, all the Reggies are like, you like totally. read the braille and they're like move five steps down seven steps to the left and use rock smash and then it like triggers the encounter so i i can definitely understand those rumors and that that feeling it is very uh like you're discovering a little conspiracy totally all right well thank you for participating in rapid fire and we're gonna go now towards our conclusion
so to close out our episode, we love checking in with this question. Uh, what are you playing right now that you're enjoying? I just finished Baldur's Gate 3, so I've got a lot of a lot of thoughts about that, a lot of feelings. It was, I think my playthrough clocked in at around 90 hours. Uh, I, I've also been playing a little bit of Baldur's Gate 3. I'm not nearly 90 hours in. Uh, but I'm playing Golden Sun as well for the first time. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things I... I'm not a fan of in that game, but for the most part, it's got great vibes and a great combat system. So I like that one. I uh, finished Lies of P late last night. Awesome game. Uh, recommended by our own uh, Gary Wilson on the site. Great, great. Another notch uh, checkbox on my Punish Backlog Challenge, so we're two in. So I'm moving right along to Persona 3 Reload, and hopefully I can finish up Persona 5 Royal as well while I'm at it. Pal World. And it's fun. Uh, I mostly like it because it kind of scratches that itch I've had for a while of a multiplayer Pokemon game. That does a tiny bit more than just the bare minimum. I don't love it, though. The survival craft genre has never been my cup of tea. And the grind in that game is absurd. You are not given enough resources for the level of grind that the game expects you to do. Especially as a full multiplayer guild with like five or six people in it the game really slows down quite a bit in that time um i'm still playing final fantasy 14 even though we're in between expansions it's just my favorite chill game to go and just do a few things in for an hour or two and then log off i find that so calming nice and simple i'm also playing roboquest which is a little um roguelike that I'm that has really focused on the really high speed FPS genre, um, and that game's wonderful. I'm also playing a completely different game, uh, Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader, which is in the same vein as like Baldur's Gate. It's a uh, CRPG turn-based, uh, Owlbear Studios first foray into multiplayer, um, and they did a good job. It's not like Baldur's Gate three where the multiplayer elements are really packed in. It's definitely one of those multiplayer experiences that's on the sidelines. But it's really nice to see that the CRPG genre is growing well. And Rogue Trader is one of those games where you just get such insane levels of power creep that it's very enjoyable as somebody who has always been a fan of big numbers. So I'm, I'm having a really good time with my friend there. I uh, just finished Sekiro, Sekiro, a uh, tidy 30-hour game for the first run. Then I'm contemplating platinum, um, platinuming that game. And then I'm also yeah. just started playing Sifu. Um, so I for our next episode, Sam much. will be leading a discussion of controversial essay. <laughs> for our next episode, Sam will be leading a discussion of controversial entries in beloved gaming franchises. Uh, for those of you following our Fantasy Gaming League, I am currently in the lead but that doesn't really say a lot because only three games have come out um so i think there's plenty still to follow and i'm sure we'll touch base on that more in upcoming episodes uh thank you all for joining me today i had a lot of fun um thank you thank to you. any listener who's made it this whole time it's an hour and a half of pokemon thank content you. um i hope, <laughs> hope you had a good time and happy gaming 